Welcome to another episode of Podcast BC, a podcast for sharing the stories of the product community around Vancouver and the rest of British Columbia, Canada. My name is Blake Fisher. Today, I'll be joined by Neve Cunningham, Chief Operation Officer at Rival Technologies, a mobile-first market research platform that helps brands close the gap in understanding how people live their digital lives. Neve is a product leader, having previously worked in product roles at SAP, Mobify, and Vision Critical. With Neve, I'll be diving into the topic of gender imbalance in tech and discuss how she got into a leadership role, what inspired her to come to Vancouver from Ireland, advice for women breaking into the industry, and a look at the difficulty of being a parent over the span of the pandemic. Please stay around for Progcast BC. Okay, uh, today we have Neve Cunningham. Thank you for joining me on Progcast BC. I'm really happy to have you on the show today and excited to hear your story and journey towards building your career in product in Vancouver. Uh, for today's topic, I'm really interested in cutting into some of the myths and uncomfortable realities for women that find themselves breaking into an often dominated male tech space and where everybody uh, listening to the show for myself and uh, for the product BC community uh, can assist in being better allies and helping those develop clear rules for gender equality in their companies. So thanks uh, for joining on the show, Neve. Yeah, well, thanks so much. It's great to be a guest, Blake. Uh, it's an interesting conversation, one that we think about a lot. So I'm happy to be a contributor. Awesome. So I want to start a little light. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, what do you enjoy doing outside of work? Yeah, sure. So I am originally Irish, as people will hear from the strange accent and the name, and uh, moved to Canada 12 years ago, and partly because we came here to ski. We wanted to live somewhere where you could still keep your career job but you could actually get into the outdoors and ski. And uh, actually, Vancouver is one of the um, few places in the world that you can do that. And before I moved here, my dad said, no one moves to Vancouver for a year. I said, yeah, they do. I am. And then 12 years later, I'm still here. No longer in Vancouver. I'm in Squamish <laughs> now. But yeah, yeah we, we love it. And we are into the outdoors, myself and my husband. So we do a lot of mountain biking. I just got a dirt bike, actually, which terrifies the life out of oh. me, but I'm giving that a go. Uh, lots of skiing and uh, yeah, enjoying the lakes here in Squamish in the summertime. Nice. Well, this is an amazing place to do dirt biking. I'm into motorcycling myself, but haven't jumped oh, into nice. off-road and dirt biking yet, but it sounds like a lot of fun. It is. So your background, you've worked at a lot of big companies here in Vancouver. I'd like to hear about your career journey. What uh, did you start in in Vancouver or elsewhere? And uh, how did you get to where you're at now? Yeah, absolutely. So I started, I did uh, computer science for my undergrad. I actually did a computer science degree and a major and then a minor in history. So kind of two opposing sides of the brain. Um, and then really enjoyed computer science, but I was definitely by no stretch of the imagination, a very good programmer. And I think I looked around at a lot of my classmates and thought, hmm, I'm going to select myself out of a programming career. But before I do that, I want to give it at least a chance. So I, I spent a year in South America working as a as a programmer definitely decided it wasn't for me came back did a master's in business and then it's kind of been a bit of a meandering road to get to where i am today so i started off post doing my master's as a market researcher worked in ireland as a research executive and then when i moved to vancouver everyone told me if you're going to work in research you have to work for angus reed so that's how i got um into vision critical and that was actually a really interesting time for me because vision critical was 
market research, but it was also a tech company. So it was kind of the combining of my two worlds. So I started off on kind of the research customer success side of things uh, and always kind of looked over the fence at the product side, thought it seemed really exciting and really interesting, but didn't quite have the confidence or think that I had the ability to actually make that switch. Uh, and it was only when I chatted to the head of product um, on a night out one time, when I said, hey, would you consider me for a product role? You know, I have a computer science degree. I mean, I know this industry and I know the customers really, really well. He's like, absolutely. And so that was kind of the rest was history. So that's how I got into product. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of people I speak to want to get into product, but they just don't know how. And especially because when you think about it, there's kind of three tracks into product. So the, the better known one is obviously engineering. So coming from an engineering background and, you know, being obviously very technical and there's kind of the design background, but then there's also the business. And I think that people who come from these different backgrounds all offer something unique and different, um, but they're all equally as important. And I think sometimes we kind of lose sight of that and people get very obsessed with having to be very technical and having to bring that technical understanding. But at the end of the day, you're going to build better products if you really understand your customer. And to do that, you don't necessarily need to be a technical person. Absolutely. Um, I love seeing teams that have that diversity amongst them where people have different backgrounds all together and it isn't just technical because it creates a little more uh, checks in our biases and things like that in the way we work. So thanks yeah. for that. Um, you know, since you've come to Vancouver, like, have you observed anything in terms of your career uh, progress or any other uh, colleagues that you've seen at other companies in terms of how the product or tech community in Vancouver has changed over time? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. I mean, if you look at the tech community in Vancouver, even over the last couple of years, we're starting to see a lot of big success stories come out. Uh, you know, look at Slack. They had uh, their IPO and then their Salesforce acquisition. Mobify recently acquired by Salesforce. Galvanize acquired. Clio IPOing or about to IPO. I don't know exactly what's going on there, but there's a lot of noise. So it really is starting to feel as if, you know, it's at this inflection point where we had a lot of these startups and, you know, everyone's eyes were always on Silicon Valley, but now it feels as if, you know, Canadian tech and, and BC tech in particular is really starting to show signs of success in the market. And it's great to see because um, we've either worked at those companies ourselves or we know people who've worked at them. So it's great to see those things come together. And then it's also great to see just the real diversity in that industry. And uh, of course, you know, it does tend to still be, you know, white male dominated industry, but we're starting to see movement for sure. And I'm starting to see a lot more diversity in that space. So that's always a welcome change. So you're the chief operating officer at Rival Technologies. Uh, what's it like moving into that leadership role and uh, taking on that role? Yeah, I mean, it was really exciting. It was great, actually. So I worked with Andrew, who's our CEO and founder at Vision Critical. So knew him very well, knew his style of being like a great visionary. And for me, that's always really important. And um, so when he asked me to come and join him, uh, and I'm one of the founding partners, along with uh, Dale Everenden, we were all really, really excited. It was like we were going to be starting this business in a space that was ripe for disruption. It was basically a blank canvas. And that's where I actually excel and do really well. I love the startup environment. I love being given a problem and being able to kind of approach it in multiple different ways. But of course, it's been a bumpy road. There's been, you know, a lot of lessons, a lot of failures along the way. And I think that's the thing about being a leader is you have to accept that you are going to fail, but you can't sit around and, and analyze it to death. You have to just kind of move on and try not to make the same mistakes over and over. So I think that's been a big lesson for me 
is just, you know, the humility and accepting your mistakes and then trying to learn from them and move on. Um, I saw that Rival Technologies was recently ranked as number 43 on the best workplaces in Canada. Um, you know, what are the core values and company goals uh, that are established at Rival? And like, how would you say that that's like a really good earmark for other companies to learn from in terms of making a great workplace? Yeah, I mean, one thing that um, Andrew was really big on early on was really establishing a culture. I think after starting Vision Critical and realizing that the culture just kind of naturally fell out and. Um, and then it was only years into it that he kind of sat down and was like, okay, we need to define this culture. We need to communicate this culture. And so he decided at Rival that we were going to do that pretty much from the outset. So we actually dedicated lots of time just thinking, okay, like what are our core values? Like what are meaningful for us? Like what do we want people to show up and do every day? And so we sat down and we wrote out a number of core values and won't list them all off. But I think one that really kind of anchors us as a business is just this optimism and power of purpose. Like we do tend to be uh, a group of eternal optimists. Um, and we really just think that like our ability to transform our industry and succeed is what kind of drives us and kind of helps us show up every day. And, you know, we, as a group, we really do bring a lot of passion and energy and we really do want people to bring their A game. Uh, but we also recognize that, you know, there's been tough times, you know, with COVID, uh, we recognize that we have to be flexible, we have to be understanding. And it really is just that empathy is ultimately why I think people recognize it as a really great place to work. Um, and that hopefully kind of trickles down across all of the different teams and all of the different business units. And I think actually, if anything, as a business, we've gotten tighter as a group and more effective and um, in the wake of COVID, well, I think for a lot of other businesses that weren't so connected and communicate as well, it, it, it's been harder on them. So, yeah. Yeah. Not that COVID has been a positive, but it's in some ways it's we've seen some positive outcomes. But you can see the power of uh, a good culture and a good core working group of having that resiliency through a time like the pandemic. So that's uh, fantastic to hear. And I think kind of looking back at the pandemic, a lot of teams are going to be looking at like a retrospective of what could we have done better in these hard times. So it's good to hear that there's some elements of that there. So for our topic today that was mentioned at the beginning, um, I'd really like to look in the gaps around gender equality and uh, specifically the role of women breaking deeper into the tech space in general. So you're you're a leader uh, in that space. Uh, and I'd like to kind of understand, you know, what sort of things come up for you around this topic? For our listeners out there, what should they be aware of? And what kind of advice might you offer them to drive more progress for their roles? Yeah, I mean, I think it's multifaceted. And we could honestly talk about so many different things. But I think, first of all, kind of recognize that this disparity does exist. Uh, it's not about finger pointing and blaming. I mean, the system is the system. It is the way it is. But we have an opportunity to course correct uh, and to make some hard decisions. And the reality is, is that diversity doesn't just fall out naturally. I mean, we, we've seen that systems that have been put in place by these dominant groups tend to be dominated by the people who put the systems in place. And so we need to make a concerted effort to course correct there's many ways that you can do that. There's investing in people at every stage of the business. It's making sure that you have an equal number of men and women in leadership positions. Uh, controversial things that not everyone's able to pull off, but unless we actually sit down, acknowledge that there's an issue and start to map out ways that we can change it, then it's just not going to happen. There's policies that you can put in place. There's training programs that you can put in place. Like we really need to be investing equally 
at every different level in both men and women. And we should have equal seats at the table as well. And I know that it can be a challenge. Like if you think about, for example, boards, so boards for technology companies, they're going to want to have people who are experienced on there, but the, the talent pool of women is a lot smaller. So maybe we just have to start to recognize that you're not always going to get the exact fit in terms of a skill set, but the different perspective that they can bring to the table actually kind of outweighs the knowledge of that industry. And so we obviously have to start thinking thinking about ways that we can make compromises so that we can kind of equal the voice at the table. Podcast BC is British Columbia's very own product podcast. For those working in or aspiring to join the companies building strong communities of product leaders, product managers, product marketers, designers, engineers, and for all of those who want to build and grow product-driven organizations. If you're new to this podcast, please consider listening back to our past episodes and subscribe through your favorite podcast services like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or others. Up next, I continue my chat with Neve Cunningham on subjects like being a parent during the pandemic, advice for women breaking into tech, and for some exciting projects underway arrival. Please stay tuned. Hmm. Um, one thing that was really clear for me over the pandemic, uh, I am not a parent myself, but uh, just looking at my colleagues, both men and women that are parents dealing with children at home, trying to balance, you know, work schedules, Zoom meetings, was that the role of women that I've seen around my workspace has been negatively impacted by the pandemic in terms of the additional add of uh, responsibilities, daycares being closed, things like that. The term uh, that the media tends to project a lot is the she session um, mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of like not being able to show up at work as regularly as you might during normal times. Um, you know, I'd be curious on on your thoughts in terms of uh, parenting, in terms of being a woman during the pandemic as well. Like what has been some of the negative impacts there? And like, was there advice or any kind of lessons that you learned in terms of how to handle that? and how to balance these things. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when you think about, as you mentioned, the she session and, you know, even if it doesn't necessarily impact you personally, if you look at the statistics, there's just no denying that women actually have come out worse off than men off the back of COVID. And primarily, as you touched on, you know, they tend to be the primary caretakers, even if it's a it's a working household where both, you know, men and women are working. I don't know if we're biologically programmed that way or like how it just ends up being the case, but it definitely has been a reality for a lot of people. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a number of things going on as well. Typically, the person who has the better paid job is assumed to be the person who's who cannot step away from their job. But it's kind of an oxymoron in many ways, because if you are forced to step away from your job because you actually aren't the person who's making as much money as your partner, then you're actually taking a step back. And so you're never going to catch up. And so that delta, that gap just continues to, to widen and widen and widen. And so that really isn't fair. And I, I do actually personally experiencing it myself. And I'm actually going through uh, childcare challenges right now because I don't actually have a permanent childcare option at the moment. Trying to navigate the childcare system, trying to even find spots. In Squamish alone, there's only 20 spots for every 100 kids. And I do think that, you know, there should be more done at the provincial level, at the national level to accommodate women. And it's not just about making childcare more affordable, which is a huge thing. But it's also about just making sure that there's enough spots for people and making sure that it is something that's kind of equally on the shoulders of men as much as it is for women. And right now, that just isn't the case. 
for my area, like I'm really interested in benefits in terms of providing a workspace that's equitable that way. So it's very interesting to see how government regulation can change. Like you say, cost affordability is a big one there. But also like, what can we do to actually like bring more um, like daycare options in workplaces or offer benefits that can compensate that through companies? You know, one thing I'd like to think about and talk about a little bit is around the role of like hiring managers or, you know, what are the benefits that are coming in a company? So for tech companies out there, or for women that are looking around, like what culture is going to best match them or fit them or accommodate them? Is there anything that you can think of in terms of like how to approach companies and their hiring practices that could better accommodate women in general? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, one of the decisions that we made really early on in Rival was actually to offer uh, paternity pay. So both maternity and paternity pay, uh, which as a small business, which we were when we started off four years ago, that seemed like an expensive decision to make. But at the end of the day, it was our acknowledgement that we're investing in an equal workforce where we want um, you know, men as much as women to be supported and to contribute to the role of parenting um, and what that means across the industry. And then you hope that if you make a change at your company, then others will look at you and model you and try to roll out something similar. I think the whole child, if you look at the Nordic countries, what they do really well is that they, ha- they have ensured that daycare is actually a part of the working environment so that all businesses over a certain size actually have to provide daycare care for the kids, for the employees. And that's something that I think is a little bit hard to pull off in Canada because of insurance reasons. I, I believe that they looked at that and previous companies that I worked at and just was not financially feasible. So they're the types of things that government needs to look at. You know, why are there insurance policies in place that are actually prohibiting these changes that would help society at large? So it's kind of at the grassroots level, but it also has to be a top-down initiatives. And then when those two forces combine together, we'll start to see real change. But yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, that's a great reference. It would be good to have that comparison and maybe look at what we can do in pushing government to be a little more equitable that way as well. But thinking about the insurance companies and having them be called out a little bit more for supporting on what we can do to be progressive that way would be helpful. So thinking back to sort of the start of of your career and breaking into the space, um, for women out there that have never worked in product before and are looking to get their first foot in the door, what sort of thoughts uh, would you say to call out for them out there? What sort of pieces of advice should they be looking out for? Uh, What sort of uh, pieces of your own career path would you say built the experience that really helped drive you uh, to further your career? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question. And I've thought about this quite a lot. Um, And I think that sometimes women can be their own worst enemies insofar as we often select ourselves out or we experience imposter syndrome way way worse than our male counterparts. And so one of the things that I would say is to like believe in yourself and it's to really put yourself out there and not to fear rejection. One of the things about navigating your career and pushing yourself to move to the next level just means that you're inevitably going to be let down. You are are going to be rejected and the reality is, is that's life and so you can't take it personally but if you're not going to put yourself out there then you're never going to be able to achieve great things so I think it's a multiple of things that you can do I really believe in the mentorship program like talking to others in the space, looking at the jobs that you would like and reaching out to those people. And the thing about mentorship is it's, you know, you know, you don't have to ask them to commit to two hours a week for the next five years. You know, you could even just have a coffee a handful of times with someone until you have enough information and feel armed to kind of go out and, and pursue the career that you want yourself. So there's a lot of things that you can do, but I do think that the main thing is to really just put yourself out there and not be afraid to fail. Awesome. 
Um, one thing I wanted to call out in our chat today was uh, Unbounce recently had a payout for equality pledge. Uh, in it, they were asking a variety of companies to take a look at the pledge, take a look at the toolkit, and create more uh, conversation around equality and transparency and pay and issues that tend to negatively affect women and minorities uh, more than most. I, you know, we talked about it a little bit before this interview, but uh, Rival Technologies has signed up for that pledge. I just was curious, what has come up for you in terms of like understanding that work? Um, in terms of calling out other companies to uh, think a little bit more about equality in general? I think it's an amazing initiative. I think it's really great. I think that's one of the biggest challenges is that even when women do manage to get ahead and they get these leadership roles, they're being paid less than their male peers. And, you know, the message that sends is that you're just not as valuable. And so it's really important that we, you know, nip that in the bud and we make sure that those practices um, are not appreciated and they're being called out. And that's the only way that they're going to be rectified. I know that at Rival, we took the pledge in the fall of 2020. And uh, one of the things as part of that is we actually looked at our own practices and we dug into our, to the salaries of the different people in the organization. And we were pleasantly surprised to find out that there was no pay disparity between men and women. However, having said that, you know, we're obviously not perfect. And there was a couple of changes that we put in place. We started listing salary ranges and so that it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to get the upper end of I'm a male and I'll get the lower end of I'm a female. It's like literally trying to be transparent and open. And then we also started to, we've onboarded a new tool that actually practices blind hiring techniques so that, you know, we're not, because we all bring our inherent bias when we're looking at resumes and and, you know, profiling people as we are, um, you know, relating to the people's resumes that we're reading. And so we recognize that the only way to be truly agnostic like that is to is to have blind hiring techniques. So they're just some small inroads that we're trying to make. But I think the more people who can invest in this program and commit to this program, the better off it is for everybody. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Thinking about uh, Rival uh, and thinking about this topic in general, is there any other thoughts that you'd like to share uh, with our listeners to the show? Uh, things that Rival might be working on, uh, things that you personally uh, have had come up for you uh, on this topic? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things that come to mind. Uh, one of the things that Rival is working on right now is a really exciting program with the Reframe Group, where we're actually trying to create a baseline program that has a read on Canadian corporate culture. We're creating an index, essentially, and we're trying to gauge how people in different companies, how they're scoring on this index. And it's a it's an optional program. People can opt in or not. And what they do is they ask a whole series of questions to their employees to understand, okay, well, how are we doing on diversity and inclusion? How are we doing on all of these different important topics that actually all bubble up to create your corporate culture? And for a lot of businesses, they think they're doing well, but maybe they're not. And for others, like we want to invest, but we don't even know where to start. And so this is a really good program to figure out how you compare to others across the nation. And then there's actually going to be an annual report, which will be an aggregated read on here is the state of Canadian corporate culture. Here's what you're doing well. Here are the strengths. Here are some weaknesses. Here are opportunities of areas where you can improve. And I think it's a really great initiative that the Reframe Group are, they're leading it and, and Rival is the technology that's powering it. But we're really excited about this program and we think that it's actually going to go a long way to try and identify some of the issues, but not for the purpose of blaming, but for the purpose of like improving them. That's awesome. Um, I mean, part of this conversation today, I love having an open dialogue about these subjects. There's definitely more for everybody to learn on the subject and to hear that there's ways of benchmarking 
benchmarking this and doing comparison being developed around this space is, is excellent. This is going to be the drive of this series of the podcast as well is let's talk about all those vulnerable parts where we don't really explore it as often um, and bring them out into the open and make sure that we're having common dialogue until we make progressive change. Um, so thanks, Neve. I really appreciate you chatting with me today. Uh, it's been an honor. And uh, any last thoughts uh, before we close off? No, just thank you so much for, for having me. I'm actually going to be doing a talk uh, for Product BC on May 19th, I believe it is, uh, on a very similar topic. And I'm going to dig in a little bit deeper just in terms of like how I got to where I am, some of the advice that I would have for fellow people and just how in general for men to be better allies for women in the tech space awesome. so that we can start to level out the playing field a little bit more. That sounds great. Well, thanks again. And uh, for our listeners out there, stay tuned for the May 19th conference. Please attend and uh, take a look at productbc.ca for any further details. That's awesome. Thanks again, Neef. Thanks, Blake. This podcast was made in collaboration with the volunteer marketing team behind Product BC. A big thank you to Camille Paterno for helping with the audio production and to Estella Lee, Peter Wynn, Timothy Young, and others for supporting the planning of this podcast along the way. Please go to productbc.ca if you're interested in becoming a member and joining the community. Thanks again to Neve Cunningham for joining me over this episode and sharing her perspective and story on her path to Vancouver, working through the pandemic, and advice for women looking to break into tech. Neve will be doing a virtual talk on the subject of countering gender imbalance on May 19th, 2021. So if you're interested, please sign up through productbc.ca and Eventbrite for more details. Thank you to those who listened in for this episode, and please consider subscribing to the podcast for future topics, where I'll be chatting with guests on mental health, crossing racial barriers, and more. You can find Podcast BC on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or directly through podcast.productbc.ca so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for joining in. This is Podcast BC.